one of the things that we talked about is that the setting for this incredible event is routine. This is Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. Join us each week as two Yale Divinity School professors look at an upcoming text from the Revised Common Lectionary. This episode comes out on Christmas Day, but I hope you're not listening to it until later in the week. I also hope you're finding time for rest and play during this busy time for us church people. Since Christmas is 12 days long, I can still appropriately say Merry Christmas. This episode, we welcome to the podcast Gregory Mobley, visiting professor of interpretation of the Hebrew Bible in congregational settings, and Frederick Jerry Streets, adjunct associate professor of divinity and social work. They're discussing Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40, which is appointed for the first Sunday after Christmas Day in year B. The text is read for you by student Sophie Beal. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer, day and night. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Israel. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Well, the setting for the text in Luke 2 is the Sunday after Christmas. So this is Emmanuel 
week one. And the other text for this Sunday in, in Isaiah 61, there's this outpouring of justice and praise. In Psalm 148, there's this exuberant invitation for all creation to praise the Lord and affirm its participation in the pageant of life. So when you put all that together, it just makes me think of the afterglow of nativity. That's where we are with Luke 2, week one. And my daughter recently had a baby, and you know, week one was still pretty good. <laughs> week two, three, four, five, that got tough and got to be a kind of ordeal. But this is a Sunday to still be in the fullness of time and to stress blessing and light. What do you think, Jerry? Yeah, sometimes, Greg, I've often wondered during those years I was uh, pastoring a congregation, if the Sunday after Christmas was a big letdown, that um, somehow the week before was this anticipation and this, this celebration, the, the glorious birth, and then is on to the next thing, so to speak. But when I think about this story and other stories that we'll be discussing, I'm reminded that we are, as human beings, we are storytellers, we're story creators, and that we receive stories. And those stories have a way of, of getting into our own spirit, our own mind, and can have an impact on the way in which we, we live our, our lives. So our quest is always, it seems to me, to deepen our understanding of faith. And as you point out, Greg, this story about the birth of Jesus is a gospel punctuation mark mm-hmm. that is encouraging people to consider how God has come into the human condition and what that might mean for people in living out their faith. You know, when you talked about the Sunday after Christmas, it reminds me, I wonder how many associate pastors, student ministers, guest preachers will be in the pulpits this week, because the senior ministers usually take the week off. One of the things that we talked about that I thought was incredible is that the setting for this incredible event is routine. Mm -hmm. Simeon went to the temple. He was devout. He was always going to the temple. Anna, it says, and this may be some kind of exaggeration, practically lived in the temple. And they were both waiting. They were both looking. And what did you say about the import of all that routine? Oh, yeah. It it strikes me that there can be and there is often revelation in routine that one may not expect to discern something or to have something happen, but faithful living requires that you carry out your understanding of your practices. Faith is not only a matter of how we think, it's a matter of what we practice. It's a skill. So when Jesus is brought to the temple, it was a part of the custom, the practice of families to bring their children at that age for the ritual blessing. But in carrying out that routine, something else Emerge. So I would um, encourage our listeners to give some thought to how valuable it is to be mindful of routine, but not in a rigid legalistic way, but more so in, in a spiritual way, more as a way of faithful living. You carry out the rituals as an expression of faith, and we can't control what may get may may get revealed in that practice, but we set the table 
for the possibility of a visitation. Just quickly, I'm going to give two three-point outlines for tacking this text. If they work, I don't expect any remuneration except if if you use one of these schemes, you owe me some chocolate chip cookies, a batch <laughs> of chocolate chip cookies, care of Yale Divinity School. Well, as, as one senior pastor used to say, how many students would ask them, how many points should a servant have? And the pastor said, at least one. <laughs> <laughs> so, first of all, this is a famous passage in that it is used in liturgy. The nunc dimittis, uh, now the word nunc now, dimittis, be dismissed. Now let your servant be dismissed. It's often used in funerals. First, it's a blessing for the transition from mortality to immortality. You know, Simeon says, um, you're dismissing your servant in peace. And this has great meaning on the occasions of the passing of a saint. It's also a blessing for the passing of the baton from one generation to another, because it's as if Simeon says, okay, now I've seen this child, I can let go. He's going to take it. And I think most incredibly, it's a blessing here for the necessary pain associated with change and transformation, because he says this child is destined for the falling and rising. It will be an assigned that will be opposed. A sword will pierce so that it is also acknowledging the pain and difficulty of the change that's necessary. And, and you know, it, for those who preach and maybe even teach, but definitely for, for those who preach, how do you balance the promise of, of the gospel or the promise of a story like this one with the reality of the pain of life? It's not either or, but it's both and. No parent giving birth to a child and celebrating a child would anticipate the child growing up in such a way that they would meet such difficulties as did Jesus. But the living out of one's life has to happen almost regardless of of the pros and cons or the negatives and positives that that life will endure. Yeah, and that's the deep poetic grammar of the Bible, that it always acknowledges pain and suffering as well as joy. I promised you in one more three-point sermon. So there are so many, there are three Lucan themes in this piece. One is the Spirit. It's almost like this is a preview of Pentecost. The Spirit rests on Simeon. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he'd see the Messiah. It says he's guided by the Spirit. We have here Christ's blessing on the poor and unconsoled. It says to those waiting for redemption, Simeon and Anna exemplify the Beatitudes. It's as if they're those poor, they're those waiting. And finally, I love it that in the beginning, Luke affirms women. This story could have worked without Anna, but he sees Anna, and throughout Luke, they'll always breathe the presence of women in Jesus's ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and the presence of hope that Anna certainly uh, exemplifies, as well as Simeon. But the hope motif is there, even while the proclamation is made about the pain that will eventually come. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening and visit our website, YaleBibleStudy.org. 
Chapter, Verse, and Season is a production of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School. It's produced by creator and managing editor Joel Baden, production manager Kelly Morrissey, associate producer Aidan Stoddart, and I'm your host and executive producer, Helena Martin, and our theme music is by Calvin Linderman. We'll be back with another conversation from Chapter, Verse, and Season. Season.